Hi there, and welcome to the Itchy Feet Travel Podcast with me, Joe O'Connor. The show where one special guest talks all things travel, the trips that have shaped their lives, what travel really means to them, and indeed, what it might look like in the future. Now, my guest for this episode is a highly acclaimed Irish designer and artist who, from her paint-splattered studio in County Monaghan, creates a unique style of wearable art. The incredible use of colour in her fabrics and signature prints would brighten up any dull day in Ireland. At a time when lockdown restrictions were being lifted, and when we could dare to dream about travelling again, I spoke with Helen Steele about the places she longs to visit and the ones that will forever hold a place in their heart. I'll never forget going out of the plane and just the sunlight. I, I can't remember sun that strong in my lifetime. I can't remember what age it was. I think it was about five or six. And I, I remember just going, oh my God, the sun is so bright. And I, I, my eyes couldn't get used to it for quite a while. So I'll always, always remember that. Helen's work has brought her all around the world, selling her fashion in places like France, Germany, Kuwait and Bahrain. She filled me in on how the colours and natural lights in North Africa and the Middle East have had a massive influence on her art. Everything was just so rich in colour and mm-hmm. uh, rich in pattern. That was so exotic to me as a, a child in the late 70s and early 80s in, in Ireland. It was just incredible. So that kind of sparked my love for that part of, of the world. For this episode, Helen also spoke with me about falling in love with Damascus finding escape in Sicily, discovering the vastness of the world in Australia, and what can happen when nature calls on a duck farm in China. That was pretty horrific. I had to lie on the ground and basically lie sideways and just wait for my, like I rolled one hip to try and stop it from, it just basically nearly froze, not frozen, but I just couldn't actually properly stand up. All that and much more on this episode of the Itchy Feet Travel Podcast. I hope you enjoy. Helen, thanks a million for joining me on the Itchy Feet Travel Podcast. It's about, I think, 12 weeks since the lockdown started. So how have you been keeping? Yeah, uh, good. I I live in rural County Monaghan, so um, I feel bad saying it's actually been okay. The start was awful, but um, Mm -hmm. my daughter was sick, but it's, it's it's all good now. Yeah. I have you here to chat about travel, which is, um, yeah, it's going through its own strange time itself. And, and the reason I actually asked you on the show, Helen, is because if you remember, I did interview you for a piece, probably going back about five years ago now for a magazine feature. And I remember you brought up, I don't, I'm not too sure how it came up, but you, you, you spoke about Syria and, you know, what an amazing experience you had there. And I always thought, you know, it'd be a great, great to hear a bit about that. But I suppose first foremost, your work and your your art and design. I mean, are you influenced much by travel, and do you travel much with your job? I imagine they they go hand in hand, really. I used to travel an awful lot with my work, um, but my work kind of travels instead of me now. <laughs> okay. Um, so, but yeah, no. I sometimes I get really jammy. Um, like 
uh, invites to do shows in faraway places mm -hmm. and and that's kind of interesting and that's yeah so I, I love when that happens especially <laughs> when it's free flights and accommodation but uh, it's very rare when that does happen but uh, yeah travel is is look at it's it's a massive inspiration huge mm -hmm. huge absolutely huge obviously your work they've got this incredible colors in it and um i was wondering do you have any inspiration from various places i, I just think of the colors of, of india for instance or or does any of that come into it when you're traveling to these exotic places I think, um, I suppose it's, it's, for me, the love of colour really comes from the Middle East. That kind of, and kind of North Africa, that kind of comes through, down through my mum. She was, um, she worked for a North African primitive art gallery in uh, Cork Street in London during the late 60s okay. and early 70s. And she would have gone on lots of kind of buying trips to Marrakesh and Fez and, and she and Casablanca. And she uh, always had these amazing uh, calligraphy pieces and incredible uh, artifacts and um, rugs and um, beautiful batiks and just but everything was just so rich in color and mm -hmm. uh, rich in pattern and um and i suppose then that kind of uh, that was so exotic to kind of to me as a, a child in the late 70s and early 80s in in ireland it was mm -hmm. just incredible so that kind of sparked my um love for that part of of the world and uh, i suppose i've been traveling in and out of the middle east since the mid 90s and that definitely i think has had kind of an effect on the use of color and just the light is so incredible the light in europe is amazing too but the further north you go in you know the further into the northern hemisphere like especially where we live it's very it, it's you know it's the light is kind of weak during the winter and it's i don't i don't really find it great for creating artwork and and painting and so for me this time of year is just incredible especially even late into the evening even now like it's mm -hmm. i'm i'm looking outside and you know it's it's some mornings um it's bright it's getting bright like at half three four o'clock in the morning here yeah. and it mightn't actually get dark until you know, 11 o'clock, half 11, some nights. So th that kind of, even the light, you know, even now at nine o'clock is, is pretty awesome. But it, there's a whole other kind of light in, in the Middle East. It's just sure. Sure. so incredible. And their their use of, of colour is just so brave. So, yeah, that's been okay. a massive That's amazing. And I didn't know that's where your kind of initial influence this came from so it's, yeah it's, it's great to know that and heat i love the heat okay <laughs> don't we all we of live course. in ireland yeah. for stars of it. <laughs> but i i love like our um arizona is another place that i absolutely adore uh, the sonoran desert just again the use of from different uh, uh indian tribes their use of color in their artwork and mm -hmm. even to the architecture of Frank Lloyd Wright 
and um, even his studio in in Arizona is just in Scottsdale is just incredible um, and his use of color and how it, it all blends into the desert and uh, yeah just but yeah for me it's heat um sunshine color um that's kind of anything that's as far away from what we have here <laughs> yeah. and I love I love my country, but I just, yeah. I, 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 you know, you just yearn for some, for something totally opposite, totally different, you know, for and, sure. and yeah. I suppose the deserts are dry and arid, but at the same time, like if you go to the Sonoran Desert, like in May or, or late April, like everything's in bloom and, you know, the, you see flowers and cactus and it's just stunning and, mm-hmm. just, and just what you would not think. Is there a place you would say more than another that, you know, has those colours more vibrant than anywhere else? Is there somewhere in particular you would say? I suppose the tropics really would just naturally have such an abundance of colour, just growing wild. So, yeah, that would be like places like Thailand and even Kerala and or Kerala um, and um, where else Sri Lanka any of the the Maldives uh, places like that the color in in the natural vegetation is just incredible and then again what's even more incredible is uh, the diving the diving is just unbelievable and especially if you go on a night dive the colors are so vibrant and um, it's not like I remember being in Australia in the late nineties and I just could, uh, we were diving and I, I just couldn't get over because I spent like growing up as a kid uh, looking through National Geographic and expecting to see these amazing, um, you know, you see this incredible lush kind of coral and sea life. And so I was expecting that when I, you know, uh, went, diving near the great barrier off the great barrier reef i was i was expecting that but uh but everything was just burnt the coral was just burnt it was um right okay yeah it was really it was uh, <laughs> really depressing oh, God, yeah, um, yeah. yeah but um but like fast forward another 10 years and mm-hmm. um the it, it wasn't like that in the maldives it was okay. just yeah. absolutely breathtaking and sicily's good for diving as well especially for night dives and then just getting back to your childhood you mentioned there helen is there an earliest travel memory that you have we used to have a boat in the shannon so we used to go down there every summer that was always a memory for me and my my parents had four kids so they were always and we used to fight like devils so they were always reluctant to bring us anywhere but i do remember a trip to spain and i can't remember how old i was but i remember like we we got up really early in the morning and i remember like shaking with delight (laughs) but i'll never forget uh going out um off the plane and just the sunlight i've i i can't remember sun that strong in mm-hmm. in my lifetime when I, I can't remember what age it was. I think it was about five or six mm-hmm. and I, I remember just going my god the sun is so bright and I, I my eyes couldn't get used to it for for quite a while so I always always remember that okay it sounds like you're, you're certainly attracted to the sun anyway is, is there a trip that gave you a fascination with the world would you say is there something maybe later in life every trip gives gives me a fascination with the world I suppose 
flying um, to Australia is is one way of putting because you're you're going over so many countries. Um, I can I can remember uh, during the Second Gulf War. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember we had to take a detour. Uh, when we were flying, I think it was Qatar we were flying into. And um, I remember flying over these villages mm-hmm. set really high in the mountains. But you you could see the shacks and the dots of people and, mm-hmm. and the animals. That was amazing. Uh, definitely China, I suppose. It's just so vast that mm-hmm. that that gave me an appreciation. And when we first went to China, it was like the late nineties, okay. and um, it was very, very, very different. Yes, um, back to, to uh, go yeah. to China in, in the nineties was yeah a very yeah. Kind of strange trip. I imagine oh, it was yeah, bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. What part of China was that? Um, we went to Beijing and Shanghai. Okay. And on the way back, we went to Hong Kong, and at the time, the f- I think we were one of the because they changed it shortly after that. Uh, that you flew, like it was before it was. They built a new airport outside of off the island, but okay. it was you flew like <laughs> you fly through right past the skyscrapers and stuff like that. That, mm-hmm. that was kind of incredible. But definitely when we went to, uh, especially during walking the uh, Great Wall of China, oh, that, yes. was, that, that part was amazing. But we also went to like this village about three hours outside of Beijing and we went to a farm, a duck farm, because like, oh, I, I live yeah. on a duck farm. That's right, yeah. And um, they had no bathrooms and basically... Yeah you went to the loo in a trough that was also a bicycle shed. Lovely. And as you were going to the loo, there's people coming in to pick up their bikes. Oh, God. <laughs> Lovely memory to have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> I'll never wait. forget that. Oh, God. Were you there with work, was, was it? Was it work-related, Helen? Um, for for me, no, no, okay. it was, it was uh, yeah, my ex husband's work, um, okay. so it was it was very very okay. interesting. But yeah, yeah fascinating and, time to see China, I would say. Absolutely, absolutely mm. incredible time to see yeah. it. Um, and it's it, I went I went back. That was like the late nineties, and then I went back in two thousand and four. Okay, and the difference in both Beijing and Shanghai was unbelievable, especially Shanghai. Shanghai was like a dust bucket. It, you, you couldn't see, there was, you actually couldn't see because of the dust being created from the building. Oh, really? There was that much building going on. And then wow. I remember going back again in 2012 for okay. work. The whole architecture, everything, it looks just, well, with the exception of the Bund, the whole of Shanghai just looked so different right. to what I remember it looking yeah. like the previous trip. It really is incredible how quickly they, you know, can put a, a city together over there. Myself and a friend were there, I think, in 2007, one year before the Olympics in Beijing. And you could see how quickly they were just throwing things up, you know, because of this huge sporting event. But they, they definitely do it like no other. So I, I imagine you saw the two different 
sides of China, really, um, the before and after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially what really stuck with me was, um, was just the abject poverty. I can remember families when, when we were on our way to that rural farm, I can remember seeing a family living in a dried out riverbed with just corrugated, a sheet of corrugated iron and they'd all their belongings in there. And there was like me, there was like grandparents and kids and, you know, not a huge amount of kids because they're not allowed an awful lot of well yeah. weren't back then. Sure. So it, I remember just being absolutely shocked by that. But then mm-hmm. I remember the, when I was back in Shanghai uh, for work, um, I got lost looking for a gallery in the French quarter. And um, I stopped to ask for directions and there was like a group of people standing beside this bus and I thought the bus had just stopped and they were artists, but they were living in the bus. There was, I'd say there was oh. about 15 or 16 of them. Okay. And um, they, that's where they lived. Right. Uh, oh so gosh. yeah, they, yeah. and, and also um, I remember being there and actually in, in the, mid noughties and it, it must have actually been shortly before your trip in 2007 and they were moving all of the homeless right. out of Beijing okay. um, was, yeah and they were also talking about tearing down near the Forbidden City is okay. it the Forbidden City? Yes. They were tearing down like loads of old neighbourhoods that had been there for uh, like thousands of years yeah yeah i remember it was a very contentious issue at the time they were these kind of small urban villages they were just being washed away you know in this whole um construction um and, and i know there was a lot of controversy over but uh yeah it's, it is incredible the, the pace it moved that and i imagine a lot of people were seriously impacted by it unfortunately helen is there a place you would say you would never return to for whatever reason that may be Maybe that, that, that duck farm in China? No, I'd, I, I'd, I'd like to go back and see what that's... that's uh, well, I'd never say no to that. Okay, um, cool. that, was a re- that was a really interesting experience. I mean, right. that was... Yeah, but there is one place I definitely won't be going back go to. On. And that, that is the Bahamas. I went there last year right. with my kids. We saved up for like two summers. Okay. We went there and it was so expensive. And even okay. though we'd saved up for so long, it was so expensive. Really? Overpriced. Oh. Where we stayed was kept. The only really good thing was the diving was really good. But yeah, no, definitely not in a right. hurry back to, to okay. the Bahamas. I was in the Dominican Republic, but I'd, I would actually really like to go to Haiti. Right, um, yeah. Yeah, some of my... Some people I know were in a place called Ile de Vache in Haiti, and um, it was before, it was, oh, maybe in 2008, I think, probably, mm-hmm. just talking about their experiences and the people, and it does sound like somewhere that I would like to experience. Yeah, really incredible cultures in, in these places, um, in the Caribbean. Um, and of course, Haiti was badly hit with the earthquake in 2010. But um, yeah, definitely a place I would love to see myself. And yeah, even but even before that, like they they have had 
a, a very checkered past. God yeah. love them. Uh, there's a group of people I know that were there and they were saying that when they were flying out, the pilot told them, which is really what you want to hear. He said, I, oh, it's okay. Uh, uh, I don't have a full tank. <laughs> you never fly in or out of here with a full tank because if they hit you, you're gone. Oh God. Because uh, some people take pot shots at the planes right. coming in and out. Mm. Oh, for God's sake. Nice of yeah. you to share it with the passengers, of course. <laughs> As you're taking off. <laughs> Oh, love God. it, love nice it. Nice but, um, it, it. But there are parts, there are, there are some, um, there's a couple of Irish charities working over there that um, are doing amazing work. And it mm -hmm. just sounds incredible. Like the, the people have absolutely nothing but would mm -hmm. give you anything and are yeah. like just so welcoming and kind mm -hmm. and generous. So, um, yeah, I think I'd, that's it sounds just really different and yeah. incredible yeah. Um, and Helen somewhere you've been is, is there do you have one favorite travel destination would you say um yeah I, I love the Maldives but I love Sicily I really really love it I love okay. the laid back of laid backness of, of the Italians they're so laid back <laughs> I always find the further north you go in Italy they're more kind of they're more like the Swiss, but mm -hmm. uh, definitely the the Sicilians are so laid back. Their just love of family and fun and the food's off the charts bad for you, but divine. <laughs> um, there's so much to see. All the uh, like all the the volcanoes, the different islands, Stromboli, um, mm -hmm. Mount Etna. The diving's brilliant. The sea is just incredible. Um, yeah it's just mm -hmm. there's so much to do the fishing's great too i mean it's it's yeah it's it's a great trip it's mm. it's really good it's beautiful yeah. Um, yeah anytime i go to yeah. italy i always kind of yeah it's a reminder of the fact that it's just one of those countries that seems to have everything doesn't it really the weather the food yeah. the culture just the landscapes it really is an incredible place and i think you and spend then, a lot of time exploring it yeah and then also the history like mm -hmm, how, how the the invasions throughout history and mm. um it's just and greece is great for that too it's like the bedrock of civilization you're sitting mm. there you're sitting in crete and you're reading about things that you know had happened on that island i mean it's just yeah no it's, yeah I think Europe, Europe, you're really, re we're so lucky mm -hmm. to be so close, like just a matter of hours away from these destinations. Um, mm -hmm. I think we're really, really lucky to have that so yeah. close. Helen, Annie, well, you mentioned one <laughs> of your experience in on that duck farm, but any kind of interesting, funny, outlandish travel story that you could share with me? I might get into trouble. <laughs> so, um, just trying to think. Oh God, there's so many. Um, actually, that time on the duck farm, um, I was trying to go to the loo for so long that my hips locked, oh, and um, <laughs> I couldn't get my trousers back up. And then. Uh, shortly before that, I had really bad jet lag and I fell asleep in a meeting. Um, oh yeah, that that was pretty horrific. Okay, uh, that sounds oh like God, the, the, the trip that had it all, really. And how did yeah. you get out of that hip lock, can I ask? 
uh, I had to lie on the ground and basically lie sideways and just wait for my, like I rolled one hip uh, to try and stop it from, it just basically nearly froze, not frozen, but I just couldn't actually properly stand up. And we'd, we'd just come, come off like, I think the previous day we'd just flown in. So um it was it was pretty it was a bit of a nightmare flight as well like I, we got on this tiny SAS plane and and someone spilled a third glass of red wine all over me they got another glass of red wine they spilled it and then they started drinking more and then they vomited right beside me. oh lovely <laughs> yeah well, the trip started as as it went on really absolutely oh it did it really did while I remember, just returning back to the, your experience in Syria, because I do remember it was a place that was close to your heart, given that what was going on and is still going on, unfortunately, in that country. But what had you there and how was the experience? I was there on a work trip. The Middle East is a, it's where I sell an awful lot of my silk resort wear. Um, I originally made, uh, I was showing at an art fair um in Abu Dhabi and um I had no kind of I was the stand that I was the gallery that I was uh showing with was from Muscat in Oman and um we had kind of a strict dress code so I went and bought um an abaya and created some clothing that would sit under the abaya and um and then screen printed it and um that was uh, and then a buyer for uh one uh, kind of chain of stores in the middle east saw the clothes and that's kind of how i got started in the middle east but anyway to cut a long story short uh, once i started selling in it, it, it was called boutique one was the name of the retail store and uh, they'd stores throughout the middle east and then other stores started to kind of buy my collections um at paris fashion week and one of them was a store in Damascus and I, I only ever got one season with them because the war broke out mm-hmm. shortly after that. And um, I remember being in Dubai about two years later and um, meeting a girl who used to work in the store that I sold into and she was telling me that uh, the family who owned the store were still stuck in Damascus and mm-hmm. couldn't get out and basically lost a fortune overnight and then their home and mm. um but she and her family got out she's now living in Paris but um okay. but just the abject poverty and um just how people's lives have just been torn apart yeah. and it was such a breathtaking city especially old Damascus okay that was absolutely incredible and um yeah, it's just so incredibly sad and I can't believe we're here in, in 2020 actually still talking about the civil war that's still going on. I mean, how, yeah. how long is that? So it's just yeah. it's heartbreaking. It's awful. And how, how were the people when, when you were there? Oh, incredible. Really, really incredible. Really well-educated, incredibly hospitable, so interesting, um, very cosmopolitan, mm-hmm. like just really lovely. And mm-hmm. I, I actually, I remember my mom saying uh, years and years ago, uh, saying 
for her, she thought that like Lebanon was the Paris of the Middle East. She thought it was just incredible. And I suppose in a, in a way I, that's kind of on, I was only there for like 24 hours, but that's kind of how I felt a little bit when, mm-hmm. when I was leaving Damascus, there was so much culture and history and the people were just so welcoming. They were kind of like global citizens in a way, you know, mm-hmm. they were just, uh, there was all mixes of, of kind of cultures when I was there that of people from different cultures. Would you say, is there any hidden gem that you've experienced that you've been to that you're kind of saying, I kind of want to tell everybody, but I kind of don't because it's, you know, so secluded and unknown in a way. Um, is there anywhere you'd say that you've experienced like that? Yeah, parts parts of, of South Dakota and prairie land is, mm-hmm. is kind of beautiful. Crazy horses, amazing. Black hills, just places that you wouldn't really think of going ever. Yeah. Uh, and like, what is it know, about, about these places? Uh, a member of my family moved over there and... Um, I don't know what I was expecting, but we went to visit and it was, you know, a, a different kind of American road trip. That was, it was interesting. Yeah, it was really interesting because it's, it's I've, I've been to the, the coasts of the States and kind of like Arizona. I'd like to go to New Mexico as well. Yeah, that, that was kind of, that was kind of different in, in, a, in, a, in a strange kind of yeah. way it surprised it surprised me i was about to say it sounded like somewhere that you were pleasantly surprised by yeah yeah, yeah. we hear so much about the obvious places in america you kind of forget about middle america and some of these kind of places that are a little bit off the charts or off the radar i should say yeah but it it is it is um quintessentially kind of like bible belt kind of stuff it's sure. um, That's um the other aspect yeah yeah, but yeah, no, I was I was really surprised. I was uh, it was it was not what I expected, and I suppose again it was just the vastness of it. Um, oh yeah, and then there's this place. Um, it's halfway between Adelaide and Melbourne, and it's called Nil, and it's in the bush in hey, what, Australia. Say the name again. It's oh. called Nil. N I H L. N I H L. Right. Okay. Yeah. And tell and me about what's going on there. It's like it, it. It's like like a Australian country town, and it's in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Okay. Um, it's called Nil, um, <laughs> but it's 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 just it's well. It was kind of when when was that two thousand and one when I was there, and that that was that was pretty spectacular, uh, incredible. Okay. Um, Check that out night skies and stars and and just totally surrounded by bush it was okay. yeah it was and then as you're driving to it from melbourne um there's just towns and towns that basically are just ghost towns mm. like literally there's all the shops are closed all the houses are boarded up mm. there's just nothing for like 100 200 miles it's yeah. just yeah, mad yeah. well that that was that long ago so yeah yeah i'll yeah. have to check that out but yeah very very apt name i have to say yeah, <laughs> yeah bizarre <laughs> yeah bizarre. no i've been looking that up but uh hell that's been great to hear about all these travel experiences i have to say especially the, the 
duck farm in China, of course. Just looking ahead, and we're starting to see some restrictions, you know, um, lifted. And there is talk of travel perhaps in Europe and, you know, late summer and that. But I'm just wondering, is there or is it something you're thinking about or is there somewhere you will go first, either home or abroad, when travel restrictions are lifted? Um, when travel restrictions are lifted, I am going straight to Dublin and I'm going to walk by the ESB, what is it, the Rings End? Oh yeah, Rings End. The pool yeah. bag, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I'm going to do Killiney Hill and I'm going to walk from Greystones to, I'm just okay. really missing Dublin, yeah. uh, which sounds ridiculous, but I, I just love, I, I love the city and I miss it desperately. And uh, yeah, I'm going to definitely go there and um, probably to Kerry or Donegal if I can, if I've time. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but if I had like, if I won the lotto, Okay. In the morning, <laughs> I would go to Greece. I would go to Hydra and I would go to that island, whatchamacallit. I would also go to Crete and I go to Spinalonga, okay. which is like UNESCO World Heritage Site. It used oh, to be okay. an old leper colony, right. but it's, it's this like terracotta island set in the middle of this kind of bay and the water offsets the terracotta and it's just breathtaking um and another great diving area as well so yeah i'd hit those two islands okay. if i won a lot of wow <laughs> sounds amazing have you been to that place been a longer yeah um, yeah. yeah okay yeah, yeah. it's fab it sounds, yeah it's amazing incredible great so mm-hmm. finally helen is there yeah. anywhere you would love to tick off your bucket list and maybe they're the places you just after telling me but is there somewhere that you would you know, just love to just tick off, get it done. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to go. To, I'd love to go to South America. I'd love to go to Peru. I love their use of color. Um, I'd love to, um, to visit more kind of, I'd love to go to Sumatra. Um, I'd, I'd love to, uh, go back to the silk market in Thailand and the flower market there was just in Bangkok, just amazing. Um, yeah, there's, there's, oh God, um, whereas I'd like to go back to Marrakesh, I would love to go, uh, to others. Oh, <laughs> I don't, I can't stop. Um. I might have to yeah. rein you in here. Yeah, but look, there's yeah. plenty there, Jane. Yeah, mm. and plenty of great yeah. places. But look, yeah. that's been fascinating to hear about all the destinations you've been to and some of the stories and, and inspirations behind your work. What are you up to over the next few weeks? I see you've been designing some masks. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I've been designing face masks and... um I I put together a waiting list and I ordered like I ordered new fabric and I was just kind of um cutting out the masks today and thinking yeah I definitely have enough and I'm 150 masks short. Oh no. Um yeah of a a 2000 piece order so Yes, it's not good. But anyway, yeah, so I'm making masks at the moment. Yeah, um, okay. It's not uh, something you imagined you would be doing this time last never, year. Never, yeah, never, never. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, some of the proceeds are going to, uh, to Homeless Period Ireland. Um, 
yeah and a lot of the, the, it goes to homeless women and girls and also to uh women and girls living in direct provision right. and um we have a direct provision center near here in monhan as well um and then the uh, the rest of the proceeds then go to the jack and jill foundation okay brilliant so, um, yeah well, look i'd recommend anybody check out on your instagram page to, because they're fantastic colorful designs as are is as is your usual work yeah, thanks a million Jeff. really brilliant but it's been great chatting to you and again thanks for taking the time to chat to me on the hgp travel podcast thank you so much this episode of the hgp travel podcast was produced and presented by me joe o'connor editing and music by paul lochran thanks again to my guest helen Steele for joining me and thank you for listening if you're looking for some chic designs to protect you and others from COVID-19, make sure you check out Helen's Instagram. Aside from that, stay tuned for more great guests in the weeks ahead. But in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to the Itchy Feet Travel Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take care, safe travels if you can, and chat soon. Bye.